0: Quick question for me and the Making Money team. Would you like us to come into your workplace to teach you and your colleagues more about personal finance? It's an absolute joke that we're not taught what to do with money and this knowledge gap makes most people much poorer over their lifetimes. Take your work-based pension. Most people have no idea what the fund they're invested in does and plenty of people just opt out altogether. We can cover whatever is most important from the basics to complex financial retirement planning supported by qualified financial advisors who are not there to sell you anything. We take different approaches for different people in a company depending on stuff like their age or their income. Anyway, if you think people you work with could benefit from financial education, then please email Will at getmost.co.uk so he can explain more. It doesn't matter what your role is in the business, we want to hear from you. So email Will at getmost.co.uk.
1: If you could design your life in any which way, what would it really look like?
0: It's a new year, so new you, right? Well, as we all know, New Year's resolutions often fail. It can be hard to stick to them. And that's the same with our financial goals. Do you want to retire at 60, 50? What about 40? Have you even thought about when you want to retire? Maybe you feel behind and stressed out because everyone else just seems to be doing better than you. God, I've been there. That's why today, Lisa Conway-Hughes, a financial advisor and a friend of the show, is talking to us about how we should set financial goals and actually stick to them. And how we can make sure that all those seemingly boring things like a pension or a mortgage are actually getting us to where we need to be.
1: You probably overestimate what you can achieve in a day, but underestimate what you can achieve in a decade. If you do those two things and you don't do any more this year, you'll end 2025 much more financially robust.
0: So it's the start of the year and everyone at home will be keen to sort their financial lives out. Myself personally, over the years, I've tried to do that and failed many times. So instead of this broad goal of, I wanna sort my finances out, we brought today Lisa Conway Hughes back on, who is a fellow of the Personal Finance Society Only two percent of financial advisors are that are that qualified?
1: Last time I checked.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but more, most importantly, you're a friend of the podcast. You're also the first guest we've ever had
2: on twice. Yeah. yeah. You had, first, first repeat my guest. First friend. Yeah, you're the first you're the first <laughs> oh, podcast friends. Yeah. You're the first repeat
0: guest, which was testament to how good the episode it was that you did with pensions oh, on us. And that's why we brought you back for this. Because we think, you know there's not much quality information around goal setting. And really, mm-hmm. we know that that's what you do professionally. T's put a jacket on
2: today. Very, very I mean, honest. Got Lisa in the building, so yeah. got to get dapper. He didn't do that for Deborah Mead, so, you <laughs> know. Really I put honest. on the shirt for you Deborah made, You made quite the impression.
0: <laughs> 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 like, after embarrassing T. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry about that, mate. So let's just start first of all with with goal setting mm-hmm. because people make New Year's resolutions and they fail. We want to see how, how do you view goals with finances?
1: Well, I think, Well, maybe it's showing a bit about me, but some people um, do goals in the new year, but like I do diets (laughs) and you said I'm going to be beach ready by summer and then i just get his interest. And so I think it's got to be, it's got to be really from your heart, like what is going to motivate you through thick and thin to stay for these goals? And it's got to be realistic. I think good financial planning and goal setting is about doing the little things right every month, month in, month out, um, and, and that they're easy. So I think we've got to take a step back from trying to be too financially perfect. You don't need to be financially beach ready by the summer.
2: So it's just like going to the gym at the beginning of the year when everyone goes and then after two weeks it's empty again. Yeah. So you just, instead of saying, I'm gonna go every day to the gym, you or I'm gonna invest every day or look at some something financial every day, you just do little, little easy yeah, steps. Exactly. What would, what would be an example of an easy step?
1: Um, Well, first of all, just doing a a realistic budget planner. Um, Again, I think it's like most people's budget planners are, if I was being really good this month, this is what my money would look like. Where the reality is you need the acid test of your budget. Last year, if you download all your statements, your credit cards, everything that you absolutely spent and everything, what was that number? And then that's the number that you're going to try and chip away at this year rather than your perfect number.
0: Yeah, I always used to make this mistake where I'd budget and I'd be like, this is the perfect demo. And I said, I want to spend 400 quid a month on myself. I'd spend double. Mm-hmm. And then I'd beat myself up because I've not stuck to my budget, but I never did. So actually the budget was wrong, Yeah, you know, like you say.
1: Exactly. I'll, I'll
2: blow my whole budget for the month and the night out by mistake. Tonight.
0: <laughs> tonight, yeah. Tonight. <laughs> We're going out tonight <laughs> for some drinks. And yeah, the budget's going out the window, yeah. I'd imagine. So a good activity there is to go through, do you, would you say a year? Did you say then or three months? I would months, say or? a year because the-
1: we spend different types, amounts of money on different things throughout the year, depending on the seasons and what's going on in your life. So I think a whole year is a really good thing to download. And you can just download it as an Excel spreadsheet and then just total it up. It doesn't need to be anything really laborious.
0: Me and T did um, three months, didn't we? We did an episode on budgeting mm-hmm. and we went through three months and it was pretty That's shocking. That's scary enough? Oh, it was shocking.
2: I, the result was I had to um, delete zip car from my phone because I was spending <laughs> like, we ran the numbers, I was spending way too much he, on like renting a car he when to, I already have a car. He took
0: his Mercedes to get valeted and then like drove around in zip cars all day.
2: <laughs> yeah, and know, I ran up, ran up a silly real <laughs> I've never that. had
1: a car valeted. That so much. is that just cleaned?
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he took it to get cleaned and while it was getting cleaned, he hired cars. To drive round, I, like, I left it in Westfield, and they were like doing the insert. It was like a full service valet. They I had watched. to look after the car. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Damien bought way too many pasties. Pa- pasties. Pasties. Uh, he keeps calling me pasty. Keeps calling me pasty. <laughs> I, I, I don't
0: know why I think the
2: word is pasties. Pasties. You look at me and you're like pasty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the winter, right? Yeah. I've not got my tan, but no, yeah. I bought a lot of Greg's. It was like a, a bit of a problem. It's it's some. It's, it's because you know there's not much meat in my house, so I get the road uh, sausage rolls. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think, ha- I want to talk about the goals because you people want to try and 180 their lives. Mm. So uh, when you go in the gym, you're like, I'm going to sprint 10 miles a day. I'll lift all these weights. You, you break yourself first week and then you give up. With the financial goals you're saying that people should have realistic habits that they set. Yeah. Rather than saying, I want to sort my life out. What is a sensible goal then over what kind of time period?
1: Well, I, I think that the phrase, and I, know, I don't know who said this, but I always think of it, but you probably overestimate what you can achieve in a day, but underestimate what you can achieve in a decade. And I think that's where we're going with your financial life. It's like, well, let's start with the end in mind so setting some just broad brush goals like when roughly do you want to retire what's your housing goals going to be like are there going to be a couple of jumps up the ladder or are you already there and it's just important that you pay your mortgage down so i like to break it down with clients into three sections to think about so one is career like the thing that's going to drive this goal are there some big changes that you need to make in your career to make the other side balance which is um, I usually set them out as property goals, fun like holidays, and then personal goals, and that can mean like family or just standard of living that you want. And then I break them down into five-year chunks with clients. So you've almost just got a sheet of paper with little boxes, in, and you want to fill it out. Right? in the next five years, which usually are quite easy to fill out, where where do I want to live in five years' time? What will my personal life look like in five years' time? And and what what good stories am I going to have to be able to tell because of the holidays I took? Or I don't know, just the things that you did that are really important to you. And they're usually quite easy to fill out. The long-term ones are sometimes the ones that depress me because if I say to a client, when do you want to retire? And it almost breaks my heart when they say, well... The state retirement age is fifth, is 67 isn't it? Well they usually say 65 but it's 67. Um and my dad retired at 65 so I guess 65.
0: So like they they've been told when you were.
1: Yeah, I just feel that's like really sad. If you're going to make financial Moves this year, they've got to be motivating, they've got to have a reason why. It's so like, I want to retire at 60 because I want to do X, Y, and Z before I'm 65. And I know by that time my kids will be at uni. So if I'm traveling the world, they can come and visit me on their holidays. Sounds much more exciting than I think that's when my dad retired. So I think when you're planning those long term goals, you've got to almost tune into the younger you and I always think this like I get, I get quite sad about my own ambition in a way because when I where I live it's near to a really posh part of Wimbledon right on the common when I was 21 working at Wimbledon tennis and um earning like I don't know five quid an hour whatever the minimum wage was at that time um I walk was we used to walk past these ginormous houses but like, one day I'll have one of those and I notice now when I walk past those houses I just my, my internal dialogue is they're really lucky. And it just is a real big shift. I noticed that when I was young, I had so much more ambition and ability to think big than perhaps I do now naturally. So I always try and tune into my 21 year old self. What would she really have wanted out of these long-term goals? Cause I think it's, it's good to dream big and to have a big direction.
0: So I'd, I've like done this maybe unintentionally, but, I have always felt that in my twenties, I kind of, I was, I was like shackled to the UK for a few reasons, mm. things I wouldn't change, but it meant that I couldn't do what what many other people did was go and see the world, travel as much as I would have liked to, mm-hmm. and that kind of hung on hung over me. But now my goals are when I get to say 40, 50, I want enough money that for six months of the year I can just mm-hmm. go and live in another place, you know, get an Airbnb and live there, fly my family out and spend time with me, and like you say, now it's. That, that like, it was ambition then, it turned to kind of almost disappointment in myself. Yeah. But actually now it's, it's re-energized me, that mm. ambition, rather than just, I want loads of money, so I don't need to work. Because yeah. actually I've learned that I probably always work in yeah. some kind of way.
1: What would you, I mean, I need a hobby. That's probably got to be one of my goals. <laughs> if I stopped working, what would I actually do?
0: Stop staring at the people in Wimbledon house and be back in the common again. She said, you know, like, fuck you. <laughs> 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 Throwing tennis balls at the windows. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, I think it's being, be daring yourself to be ambitious and perhaps useful in your thought process about what it is that you actually want to achieve. If you could design your life in any which way, what would it really look like? And then start to fill out those short, medium, long-term goals, career, property, personal, family. That's sort of fun as another one.
0: Yeah, and are you applying a number to those goals?
1: Yeah, so not when you're thinking about them, don't let those dreams filter through and your number filter, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. Or oh, that's really, that's I'm not, not going to put that down because yeah. it's not realistic. Still remembering, you're probably underestimating what you can achieve in a decade if you put your mind to it. So yeah, f- do an unfiltered version. And then I think, like, do you notice how when you speak to different people, the realists, which I'm related to quite a lot of realists, um, or that friend who's just sold their business for a million, that y- your mindset changes with who you're sat with. And so- get that friend who has got that positive mindset and maybe just think about it together, really bounce off each other and dare to dream, I suppose, when you set those goals.
0: So I've been speaking to a lot of um, entrepreneurs through this podcast and through my channel, people that I would never have had access to. And I come from um, a, world, a world of like, you know, work hard, get a job, work in an office. And a lot of these entrepreneurs like Timothy Amu and people we've had on the podcast, they have this attitude of like, uh, you know, I can make, all the money in the world. You know, I I don't need to, like, if I could go back, I probably wouldn't have even saved any money because I would have just invested in myself and Mm -hmm. my skill set and things like this. And I'm not saying people do that, but like you say, there are different perspectives and when you gain access to them, they kind of make you realize that the things are possible that you Mm. you wouldn't normally think are possible.
1: Exactly. So I suppose tip number one therefore is make your goals exciting and personal to you to start with.
0: What have you got to? What's, I mean, this guy's goals are already- I mean, been, And you.
2: it's just, where do you say that you go back to your inner, your younger self? Because like my whole life, I've just always traveled. So I assumed my life was just going to be like that forever. Like every two months go on holiday. But then now I've got a kid and i You've like, got Uh-oh. to pay for it. And I'm like, oh, you can't just, yeah. just leave the country for like two yeah. weeks or a month. Now you've got a kid. Yeah. So it's kind of, I want to get back to that traveling all the time. But now I've got to take him with me. So I need to re-kind of- assess how I'm gonna do that.
1: You could see it as well, when their five were screwed, I'm not going on all these holidays because they'll be at school, but maybe it's, well, I'm going to design my life so that I can take a month off in the summer holidays. We can go away in the Easter holidays and maybe a week at Christmas whatever. So it's making the opportunity out of the new situation.
2: When I was younger, I thought I was gonna retire at 40. And I say younger, I mean like three years ago. Yeah. I generally
1: thought- <laughs> Yesterday, like, like, until I started, this conversation. Until this podcast started, I thought I was going to
2: retire at 40. But I realized, wait, I should probably sort out of my pension and yeah. like some savings and not just rely all on like um, risky investments. I'll always work, but I do want to retire and just kind of do my own thing um, younger. I've seen
0: this, the rise in this FIRE movement, which is like the financial independence retire early. And then over time, that's kind of really just evolved to just FI, which is like financial independence. Do you think that that, should be a goal for people?
1: I really think it should be because there's different definitions of it. Like I had a client who hated his job and we did his cash flow model. And um, I said, if you could be happy with X per year, which was less than he ideally wanted, I was like, just leave tomorrow.
0: He was like, what? You've, you've got enough. Like, yeah, yeah, you've
1: got enough for a decent standard of living, not what you were aiming for, but just leave tomorrow if it makes you that sad. And it just that little mindset change meant that, He wasn't scared of his boss because he knew he could just be like, sod this, I'm off. Um, But also it meant that he stayed and he enjoyed it. And he probably worked a couple more years, um, just happy in the knowledge that if he ever wanted to, he could walk away. So I think knowing your numbers really can help empower you and empower you to make those decisions that ultimately money needs to make you happy.
2: How do you calculate these numbers though because it's like okay I want to retire this age property family like um holidays how do you kind of put a tangible number to these figures realistically if you're looking yeah. 10 20 30 years in the future
1: well um well, I'm a spreadsheet geek so I can make a spreadsheet of anything <laughs> but <laughs> now we've got um amazing software that just will do that for Is us voyant we- voyant Voy- one, no. there's loads of them i use voyant and i love it um and I think the thing you've got to be really aware of is you change one of the assumptions by a teeny bit and it makes your calculation just wildly different. So when you look on like pension calculators and all the calculators you can get online, really just look under the bonnet, like what are they assuming for inflation? What are they assuming from growth? Because often they do take a very cautious stance. Um, But yeah, I, I would look online for some like cash flow like cash flow modelers, retirement modelers that you can get for free. Or I, I mean, I would say this, but I think spending the money on an advisor doing you a really good cash flow model is is worth its weight in gold. It would, ultimately it tells you, you need to do X per year um, to achieve your goal.
0: Especially if you've got say, you know, a large pot of money and you're sat at work and you're thinking, should I quit my job? Have I got enough? Mm. The ability to walk into a room and someone go, yes, you have as long as you spend this amount, that that's pretty valuable, and that's probably yeah. something
1: I would look at. And I think it's also about like it's about if I, if I'm doing my own cash flow model, I could draw out the conclusions, but I'm a brave enough to jump. Yeah. Um, whereas if someone's showing you those assumptions, talking you through the parameters, like if X, Y, and Z would happen, then yes, you can achieve your goal. I think it's easier to to make those brave decisions when someone else is almost giving you permission.
0: If, if If you're starting now though, and you're like, this is day one and you're 25 or 30, and you're thinking 30 years ahead, how can you possibly set those numbers then?
1: Well, you can do a general rule of thumb if you don't yet want to invest that money in the time to do your proper cash flow model. You can just look literally, the ones that come to mind will be like standard life definitely have a cash um a, a retirement modeller um aviva have a really good one as well so you can use the free tools but or you're not going to be skint when you're older if you think i'm going to i'm going to squirrel away half my age as a percentage of my income every year so okay. if i'm 20 i'm going to start putting 10% away if i'm 50 if i'm 30 i'm going to do 15% of my money away like it's not an exact science, but if you wanted a rule of thumb, you're not going to be disappointed with yourself if you're doing that Did you, are you?
2: Did you make up that rule or is it like a- It's is an old a name rule. It? It's an, it's old, an rule.
1: old rule based on final salary pension planning, but yeah, it's-
0: Is that it, still going to work for someone who may be starting later in life or feels slightly behind?
1: I think if you're starting later then, Probably taking half your age is going to really scare you anyway, but the reality is you probably need to do a little bit more. You need to get a bit more realistic about how you're going to invest it. Obviously you're not going to do off the scale unregulated investments, but maybe you need to take a bit more calculated risk with some of the money that's your long-term money to try and close that gap.
0: I remember in our last conversation, when you talked about pensions, you said, you know, be brave and you like always, throw as much money in and then Mm. just think, oh my God, how am I going to survive? But you kind of find a way. And Mm. I think when people saying that, I I couldn't possibly find 10%, but if you took it away,
1: you always find a
0: way to live, don't you?
1: Exactly. And you try and cut back. Like my my mortgage went up at the end of last year and by amount that was actually making me really nervous last summer. (laughs) And I was like, right, I've got to do it. So what am I going to change? And um, yeah, it was just like, if I cut back on these teeny things, so, I used to spend two hundred a month, a week last year on food. Now it went down to one hundred and sixty a week, and just changed teeny things like my um, fund budget went down a bit. Wow. <laughs> or like my family meal out to posh restaurants become a mid a mid family.
2: I was saying, these, are, these, are, these are real first world problems. <laughs> oh, I aren't. know.
1: I sound a bit of a goon,
2: but you're a Toby
0: Carvery now. <laughs> I love a Toby. Yeah, Carvery. I love a Toby.
1: Um, so. Just teeny changes that don't really impact my fun have taken away that those nerves that I felt in summer last year. And I think life can catch up with you in some ways as well. Like when I think back to what I used to spend when I earned 30,000 pounds a year to the things that I've just accumulated in my life as a new normal way of spending, it's gone a bit bonkers if I was really honest with myself. There's so many things I could cut back on that wouldn't change how happy I am. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm the same, and because I, I run a, a business and certain things are business expenses, you end up spending money that you wouldn't spend because you're like, oh, I get the VAT back, and it's like that doesn't justify spending 150 quid on a meal. That yeah. what I mean, so you can save 30 quid in VAT or whatever. So. I want to come in a minute we're going to come back to like looking at this specific year and some of the milestones but first I just want to keep going with this point around where people should be because I know a lot of people listening will think everyone will feel they're behind in life everyone I speak to mm. they could be 18 or 80 says I wish I'd started sooner
1: so I think really it's about looking at your goals and thinking of this always this rolling 5-year time frame like if you, if you're if you're really focused on the next five years and making those financial goals happen, and also you're being sensible about those long-term goals, I think if you're controlling those two things, you're halfway to success anyway. So if you think over the next five years, so put yourself now, 2029, what's going to be different about my life? And then work backwards, how many paychecks, because this is quite scary, how many paychecks until January, 2029? 12 times five, 60. That's really scary. So you've got 60 opportunities to achieve those five-year goals. Um, So I think really break it down to keeping this five-year rolling goal working for you.
0: I don't look at, uh, yeah, like I need to do that because I look at, I want this amount of money by the time I'm 50. And then I want this amount of money by the end of the year.
1: I think maybe the reason we don't is because that can freak us out because it is that 60 paycheck mentality. Like, oh my God, let's just see how we get on. But if you can use it as a carrot rather than a stick, I think it can really help the mindset. And maybe that's a way of quantifying that you'll underestimate what you can achieve in a year thing by looking at, a, over the last five years, how far have I come? If I did the same again, where would I be? And maybe that yeah. will help to give you, um, to help open your mind about what you could achieve in the next five years.
0: This is from childprice.com They say, by 30, you should have half of your salary saved. By 35, they should have one to 1.5. That's quite a big jump in five years, that seems.
1: And, and, and if you think your earnings are going up, Usually. half
2: of your annual salary saved.
0: So by the time you turn 30, they think you should have half of your salary then saved in retirement
2: savings. So
1: that, that doesn't feel unachievable by yeah, 30. Yeah, that's not too bad.
2: So if you're like 40 grand a year, you yeah, should have 20,000 20, yeah, so, saved for your pension.
0: Yeah, so, and then by 30, it's, it's in dollars, but it says by 35, you should have, say if you earn $60,000, you'd have 60 to 90K in retirement savings. And then at 40, 1.5 to 2.5, by 50, three to six times by 60, to 11 times.
1: Wow.
0: Would you say that 5.5 is enough at by 60? No. I wouldn't.
1: Depends what kind of life you want. The, the rule is, whatever your, your big number goal is whatever you want per year times it by 25. Yeah, so- So they're assuming a real drop in standard of living. At
0: 65, they're saying at the top end, you would have 13.5 times your salary saved, which yeah. isn't- which, So they're
1: thinking half your income is what you need. Yeah. Um As a maximum. And I think that's just not true. Like i i mean i remember when my um granddad died it's not a sad story when my granddad died he was like only in his 70s and people were like, oh he lived a good life um we're actually my 60s and 70s i better still be having fun and enjoying my life and going out and Feeling like I'm 40, yeah. Um, so I need money to do that. I don't yeah. want to sit around reading the paper. Yeah. Um, so I could do that in the morning. My lions.
0: This idea, like you say, with my mom at the minute. So she's retired. She retired early at 55, and it's like trying to convince her to like blow your money now mm-hmm. because when you're 80, you you won't you probably won't be able to.
1: No, and I think well, I always think it's like it's almost like a double dip roller coaster. So early retirement you want to go for it, don't you? You're young, you're healthy, hopefully. You've still got that get up and go and you want to go and see all the things that you've promised yourself you'll do. Then in mid-retirement, usually people start to cut back a bit. Your world shrinks a little bit. And then sadly, in the latter part of your life is when you spend the, the big money on all your care home fees. Um, and so, yeah, you you need to plan for having that fun while you can.
0: So we've got the big goal and we're, I'm planning to live in a, Bougie retirement home. That's, that's my big. I'll see go. you at
1: the bar at 90. Yeah, yeah, that'd be
0: me. Just mixing it up at the bar with a little margarita or whatever, mate. Just yeah, still, still cranking out the moves. But I want to look now over the next twelve months because people say, okay, I want X amount. I've used a retirement calculator, a compound interest calculator, and I'm going to review it every five years to see how I'm getting there. What are the big events that they should focus on over the next twelve months?
1: Well, what are the threats you expect in the next twelve months? So. so this is where financial planning does get a little bit negative it's could you lose your job could you get sick could what, what could be the thing that rocks your financial world and making sure you're planning for it so if you could get sick and you're not fully covered get some insurance get some income protection get some critical illness Um, I just had a client call me up this week who in her 40s has had a heart attack, young, fit, healthy, like insane. That's just completely changed the course of her life for 2024. So you just don't know what's around the corner. So get insured properly. Um, and also get an emergency cash buffer. If you do those two things and you don't do any more this year, you'll enter 2025 much more financially robust.
0: The insurance thing's interesting because I think it's one of those, it's like it'll never happen to me. Mm. I looked at the stats and the average age of people who claim a critical illness is actually quite young. It was like 38 or something. Like, yeah. I was like shocked. Great, we got that to look forward to. Yeah, well, it's, it's people that, these critical it's like this unexpected isn't it like yeah. it come it's you know it's rare but when it happens it's completely de- devastating mm. like the income protection kind of stuff
1: yeah and what people think is, oh, I'll get that when I'm older because I'll be able to afford it. But the longer you leave it, the more expensive it is. And generally, the more you pay for the rest of the plan. So if I'm going to insure myself from 20 to 60, the insurer is going to get not a dissimilar amount of money from me as if I start it when I'm 30, 40 or 50. Right. So just get it earlier because you're locking that price at that age you were when you started it.
2: And where do you get this income insurance from?
1: Um, So you need... I would always go through a broker, um, an independent broker, because with life cover, it doesn't really matter. Get the cheapest. You don't need to shop around necessarily for quality of contract. It's just How much quality of like, That is want- tens of pounds a month for for the right amount of cover. It's not it's not expensive. With Income protection critical it's all about the definition. So the best definition of an income protection cover would be if you can't do your particular job due to any illness or injury, it will pay out. You don't want, if you can't do a job due to a specific set of illnesses, then it will pay out. That would be a really bad definition. So you want really good quality definitions with really good additional benefits um, that are out there.
2: And when you said a buffer, do you think six months? You said have a cash buffer. Do you think six months or three? I months? I think
1: three months if you're young, free and single. Six months if you've got extra responsibilities. But as you get closer to retirement, you want to be making that to a year to three months to a year to three years. Believe it or not.
0: So you can weather market downturns. Yeah. So you're not
2: kicking your portfolio when it's down. So you exactly. risk or whatever. Is that from fifty years onwards or yeah. sixty? Yeah,
1: so it's all about this five year rolling time frame. So if I'm going to retire in the next five years my focus is going to be switching myself to cash at at the appropriate time or accumulating more cash to build it up.
0: Uh, It took me quite a while to get to to three months.
1: It's also not exciting is it building up your emergency cash buffer but a good tip is to use a regular savings account rather than just your bog standard one. So um, a really good provider to look at often is Coventry Building Society. They seem to allow... Most most regular savers allow you to put fifty quid, two hundred quid in, but Coventry usually for some for their rates allow you to put five hundred pounds a month in and they'll give decent rate, so you can put a good amount in and get a good rate and they'll give you more by regular savings than just putting into your um bog standard account
0: i will say though if you're someone that like doesn't have any form of savings or investments nothing makes you feel better than having a few grand in the bank no. it's like that that in terms of freedom and weight off your shoulders does more than having a portfolio of investments well, the
1: the, the definite i think it was legal in general that did this study um the average person is six weeks away from being homeless like yeah. not even two paychecks. Yeah. So we really as a as a nation need to build up those cash buffers.
0: The cash buffer the 3 months to 6 months depending on age up to a year you're saying, you know, easy access savings account because the rates are pretty good at the minute. What about the other types of savings for the goals?
1: So if you if you know that goal is 1 year, 2 years, 3 years away and the market is giving you a better rate by locking it away. You can quite comfortably look around for one-year cash bonds, two-year cash bonds, three-year cash bonds, so that you're you're allocating that pot of money for a job in the future. Um, and by locking it away, you're probably gonna get a better interest rate, but also outside, out of mind, you're not gonna spend it.
0: And then what about your pension, say?
1: So your retirement money, that long-term money, pension usually is what attracts your, well, I'd like it to attract people (laughs) because of the tax relief. Um, So the 20, 40, 45% tax relief, well, for some people, 60% tax relief. Um, The pension feels like a natural place to start to put your money so that you can get the employer contribution and the tax relief. And then as a general rule of thumb, that medium term money tends to be stocks and shares ISA as a starting point. But don't forget that building up stocks and shares, ISAs are also amazing for retirement. And then we covered it in that last episode, but it helps you have um, control over the tax that you're paying in retirement. So don't just think of of ISAs as your medium, it's medium to long term money. Yeah.
0: And what you mean there is that because pensions get tax relief on the way in, but they're taxed on the way out, whereas ISAs are the opposite, you're you putting tax money in and you pull it out tax free. So you can use a combination of the two mm. to pay very little tax in retirement and get yep. quite a good income.
1: And, and a good tip is depending on the platform you use, for a lot of clients will split their ISA. So let's say we've got a, a one third, two third rule, one third is medium term money, two thirds is long term money. We'll split their ISA wrappers accordingly. So one third of money is invested with a medium time frame in mind. And two thirds of the money is probably slightly more um, risky, probably cheaper funds that we've picked. And that's got a more long term view as well.
0: Can you guess what the biggest learning has been from doing this podcast or even my YouTube channel? It's that the most important investment you can make is in you. So for me, my path to real wealth isn't through investing, it's by building this business. And that's why I'm happy that we're working with Hostinger. Hostinger help entrepreneurs, freelancers, and side hustlers with their websites. My favorite thing is their AI website builder, which helps anyone create a professional website with zero coding experience. You just describe your goal in a couple of sentences, and the AI creates a beautiful looking website, just like magic. You can then customize it, use the AI assistant to generate SEO-friendly text, and even use their AI logo maker. It's fast, user-friendly, and of course, what I like the best is it's great value for money. You can get website hosting in a free domain from £2.99 a month. So if you want a website, then check out Hostinger. And if you use the code making money, that's making money all one word, you'll get 10% off. And I've left a link in the description for you. Before I became a creator, I was a sales guy. I mean, I love selling. It's how I rebuilt my life after some wrong turns in my 20s. I also delivered Chinese takeaways on the side, but that was more fun money so I could go out on a night without feeling guilty. Sales was where the real money was at. And one tool that I found really useful was LinkedIn Sales Navigator. It's a sales intelligence platform that helps you identify and then get into conversations with high value customers so you can drive more revenue. You can use it to look for key signals like recent job changes, so you can find buyers who are most likely to convert. And because they've got a billion people on the platform, I mean, the chances are your targets are going to be on LinkedIn. Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date, first-party data so you can get into conversations with the people that matter. So if you want to give Sales Navigator a try, you can get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com upsell. That's LinkedIn dot com slash U-P-S-E-L-L for a 60-day free trial. Let's let's talk about the pension thing then, because I think most people that are listening to this and they're starting at the start of the year, the easiest thing that they could do is go and log on to their work-based pension mm. and have a look at that. Do you have any tips for someone that knows nothing about pensions and what yeah. they should be looking for? So
1: you need to know three things. Um, who's your pension with? I know that sounds really funny, but most people don't know they where don't their know. pensions are. Yeah. So who is it with? And then remembering that these you're paying these people they work for you and um, ring them up and ask them what is the name of the investment that i'm in and um can you email me a list of all the different investments that i can be in um and then lastly you want to know what's going in and if you paid in more would your employer pay in more um so if you know those things so know who it's with find the name of the fund you're in and then take the name of that and just go into Google, put Trustnet into the Google search bar and then the name of the fund and it'll bring up a fact sheet. And just as a quick acid test, is is my fund outperforming the benchmark that they've picked? There's two lines on the graph. Are you higher than the average? If you're higher than the average, it's a rough sense check that you're in the right direction. And if it's not doing well or it's not achieving your goals, then start to look through, the um, list of all the different funds that um, you could be in and pull on the resources of the um, pension provider. They're not going to be able to give you advice, but they're going to be able to say, can you give me a list of of all the global multi-asset funds? Just getting that right. Like I had um, last year, I'm on a real rampage now with employers' um, default pension schemes, because these, these pension funds get picked for you and you trust your employer to do the right job because presumably the pension companies know more than you, but not more often than not, because thankfully a lot of companies are getting it right, but there are big, big companies out there that are getting it really, really royally wrong with their pension default fund choice. I had um, a lady in December last year her pension pot in the default fund at, in a growth mandate. Um, so taking high amounts of risk has achieved 5.2% over the last five years. Wow. And that is so way off what she needs it to be doing. And she's in her forties. So-
0: Is that average per year or total? Yeah, the, no, total. total so, yeah. With so, inflation at 10% a year. Yeah. So she's lost she's lot a lot, lot of money. Yes, yeah.
1: exactly. And she's in her forties. This is the time when we we need that money to be working hard for her. So, it's things like that, that I think just a session with an expert can just sense check. Am go, I going wayward? She was also going wayward because she was paying far too much into a pension. She was breaching the annual allowance and getting herself into all sorts of tax bothers that she just didn't realize.
0: Another another thing, it's either the People's Pension or Nest. The only fund that they offer that's 100% equity is their Sharia fund, mm. which is like, people people would look at that and go, that's oh, not that's something, not I, that's not me. But that's actually the one that for the youngest people is probably the the more sensible growth option if they want the most risk, which yeah, most people tend I think tend you've to. got to
1: just don't, because also don't look at a pension label if something's classed as balanced or aggressive, what what do they actually mean, yeah. digging deep? And on that trustnet.com when you, so there's a graph at the top and then there's some blurb and some handsome pictures of the fund managers that are worth looking at alone. And then if you go below, you'll see two pie charts. And in those pie charts, it'll show you how are you split around the world, but also how much of your money's in equities. And you just want to, Tot up roughly how what percentage of my money is in equities and how much is in cash or property or bonds. And it's that equity bit, that percentage that you really want
0: to Could know. you explain the logic as a financial advisor for, mm. of how you would use bond allocation as people got older so they could maybe understand that?
1: Yeah, so ignoring current market conditions. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, the theory is, very traditional theory is that Equities are what's going to drive your portfolio and help you beat inflation. Bonds are going to be the break and the stability, and they're going to help you um, protect your portfolio when things go wrong. Um, And they're meant to be negatively correlated. So when one thing's doing well, the other thing's doing badly and vice versa. And so a traditional balanced portfolio would have 60-40 split. Um, and then the last two years have come 60, around. 40 in which oh, way? Sixty equities, sorry, yeah, sixty equities, so forty stocks bonds. Stocks and shares. And then the last two years have just completely turned that on its head. That we've seen how volatile and the risks that can be involved in bonds. Um, but yeah, traditionally that would be your the role. When when as you get closer to retirement, you're being pulled in so many directions because you've got this short term need to spend. So that sequencing risk that we talked about. If markets fall, does that mean you should just go and hibernate for the first two years of your retirement or does it mean you should need to get out there, which is why you have that large amount of cash, which some people find a preposterous amount of money to have, but it allows you the freedom to do what you want to do. But also inflation in old age is much higher than for younger people because Inflation tends to affect the, like your utilities like we're seeing now, a greater degree, the food and the things that um, well, older people tend to be consuming more of.
0: Seven day weekend, as you put it in our last conversation. Yeah, exactly. you're, you're, always,
2: you're always on your weekend. Yeah. Damien, Damien and me propped up at the bar at the old people's home uh,
0: every yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, we're going to be there in the, <laughs> the high-end bougie retirement home. Whiskey, just
2: mixing it up. Whiskey sour. 9am, yeah. whiskey sour. The day started right.
1: I don't know if you ever watched Coronation Street, but um, Ken Barlow went to a very swanky um, <laughs> um, care home. And I always think that's what I want in my mind. Yeah. Um, anyway. So where did we get to? Oh yeah, 60-40 split. Um, and what you're trying to do as you build your portfolio in retirement is be mindful of inflation so that you're taking enough risk, but also be wary that you, you do just want to live your life, which is where the security and the lower risk investments come from. But What a lot of pension plans are doing behind the scenes is they're moving you to cash so that on the day you retire, you're in cash 100%. And for most people, that's just not what you need now. No. Um, so I think that's called lifestyling. So you De-risking, want yeah. you want to understand how is my pot lifestyling? Is it lifestyling completely to cash or is it lifestyling me to more of a balanced portfolio? The money that you're not going to spend till your eighties and nineties, is there a reason why that shouldn't be in equities when no, you're sixty? No, because so.
0: exactly, because what people don't realise is that age gap is the same as 30 yeah. to 60 or whatever. You know, if you're 60 to 90 and we're planning for that, why wouldn't you be an extra 20? Yeah, you need it if you want it to grow. market. Yeah. You don't just want a lump of cash at 60 and going, that is you. I will blow that in the first few years. <laughs> the big goals and all of that stuff, and this whole thing of like, I want to sort my life out this year. What I've taken away there is actually if you look at your pension at work, you get insured and you get an emergency fund, then you've probably had a pretty good year one.
1: Yeah, you could definitely pat yourself on the back after that. And, and also if you've just set, setting aside to think about what you actually want it will be worth its weight in gold. Because if I notice that I'm bumbling along in life and I don't really have a direction, I don't really achieve anything. Whereas if I know where I'm headed without realizing I achieve more.
0: So, you know, we we talked about the short term there, cash savings, we've talked about pensions, long term, and we we briefly touched on the ISA, but I want to go into a bit more detail with that if we can. Mm. And how people approach medium term investing. So we're just looking at, we're on trustnet and we're just going to look at the Vanguard Life Strategy funds. So there's the
2: 100%. Sorry, guys. What is an 100%? <laughs> yeah, you go so, ahead.
1: So, if when we were talking earlier about whether you have equities or bonds, 100 percent means um, you've got no bonds you've just got 100 percent equities um and, and no bonds 80 percent would be 80 equity 20 bonds got
0: it. on the five year on the 100 percent so 100 percent equity is a 52.7 percent return over five years for the 80 percent it's 39.1 and for the 60% it's 26.4 over 5 years
1: so i mean we've had it feels like we've had a real roller coaster of it i feel a lot of people will be surprised at how well those portfolios have done over a 5 year time frame whether you're balanced investor with that 60% equity all the way to quite an adventurous investor with the 100%. Though Those kind of returns, if you keep compounding those over 5, 10, 15, 20, can actually be really life-changing.
0: Anyone listening though is just going to go, well, I just want the most amount. So why would I go
1: because you know. most people want the most amount but they don't want the pain along the way. They don't want the
0: ride is more than Exactly. The and so
1: the last three years, so twenty twenty to the end of twenty twenty three, have we, we've seen so many roller coasters coming out of COVID. Um we've had Ukraine war, we've had inflation, mm. then we've had Israel, Palestine. We we've had Huge amount of change, and that has been a genuine roller coaster. I don't feel I did many good news annual reviews with clients during that time, and it's only now coming well, the end of 2023 into 2024 now that I'm actually excited to do annual reviews with clients when the numbers are feeling that little bit more positive. So, it's lovely looking back now, we've been through it all, but it was really painful when we were in all those different stories. It felt like it was never ending because the worst thing you can do is sell when things are down. And we know that, like if you were Dell boy, you'd know to buy high, um, sorry, buy low, but sell, sell high. high. But everyone does the opposite. But in, with investing, we do the other way.
0: And with with an ISA especially, it seems a lot easier to, to do that in the modern world. Pensions are some, they seem a bit more locked locked away. Whereas Mm. with an ISA, you can dip in and out constantly.
1: Yeah. So you stick to your plan, as long as it's a sensible plan in the first place, you stick to it and you let it go. You really do let it go and focus on those more medium term numbers that you can get from those websites like TrustNet.
0: What sort of investments are financial advisors putting inside of ISAs then?
1: It really depends on the client, but essentially it's got to be well diversified in terms of geographically well diversified. But also you've got to be really careful of not being too focused on the themes of the moment. I mean, when I joined the industry, it was China was everything. Um, Then obviously recently it's tech in the US. You've just got to choose things wisely and not be just so theme dread. Lead that you're possibly getting in at the tail end of a theme. A yeah.
0: lot of
2: AI attention right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's always something, right? Yeah. There's, there's, always, a, there's something. always a bubble, like always, or like a hype, and it surprises me how quickly people are to move. From one to the other, NFTs, and then the, the same people are like six months later, like AI. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, when were you guys just? And they're like Metaverse. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah it exactly, just changes like exactly. every every six months. But it really it should be boring.
1: You know, it really should be boring. Mm. Um I mean, most people would say being a financial advisor is boring, <laughs> 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 but yeah, maybe I'm living true to that. But yeah, I think it's got to be. It it, it doesn't need to be the the highs and lows of unregulated risky investing, definitely.
0: The way I do it, to, to I know that I'm like, I, I need risk in my life. I have a set allocation of my portfolio that i kind of roll the dice with. 90% yeah. goes into low cost global index funds, both in my pension and in my ISA. And I have 10% where I'm, you know, buying individual companies, you know. The if, devil makes work of Eidolherz. Yeah, yeah. So you should know that, you've got a devilish name. <laughs> <don't> you? <Yeah. laughs> you end up, you end up tinkering and um, that's the worst thing that you can do mm. with some of these things because you tinker at the worst time when actually, yeah. you know, if we liken it to main likes is crypto. I've got a bit of crypto. It's been very hard for people to buy into that when it was crashing. But actually mm. those are the people that have done well. And now it's flying again at the time mm. of recording. Um, everyone's piling in. And it's like, you're making yeah. the classic mistake again. Yeah, like, and this is yeah. the exact same psychology we, we see within the stock market. You talk about themes. The theme of today is interest rates, mortgages, yeah. these kind of things. How are people balancing the decision between my mortgage is going to go up by a lot and should I could stick to the plan of long-term investing?
1: Yeah, it's just about the numbers, isn't it? So. First of all, let's think about the mortgage. Is the mortgage going to be paid off by the time that you're going to retire? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to downsize is the ultimate question. and. Most people think, oh, when I'm old, when I'm 60, I will downsize. But the reality is when you're 60, you get there and you won't be downsizing because you do want to have a fun house and a party house. You want to have the kids back with the grandkids and perhaps downsizing isn't going to be what you really truly want. So you've got to get your mortgage cleared by the time you retire if you're not hundred percent sure you're downsized. With interest rates going up, that could be an easy thing to say. Well, for the next few years, I'll just go interest only for when interest rates get back to normal. And, but we've got to get back into this mindset that perhaps this is normal now, that mm. maybe interest rates of four, four and a half percent is where we're gonna land. So how will you navigate that for the next decade, two decades, three decades, and what impact will that have on your decision? So um, it's gonna be either you pay off more, you increase your mortgage amount. So should you invest or pay off your mortgage is the next question. So. After costs and charges and tax, what return would you reasonably expect to get from your investments? My mindset naturally is I'm a cautious person. So interest rates going up like they are now, my new mortgage rate is 3.84%. I've decided that I'm gonna overpay my mortgage because I just feel I want the certainty that that's done rather than the hope by investing. So I'm still doing my, my stocks and shares ISA, but I'm definitely focused on paying back my mortgage at a high rate now.
0: Yeah, it's such a personal decision, and I think that's why people struggle to get a definitive answer because some people really value being mortgage-free. Others, you know, you could sit a property investor here, and they would go, "Well, inflation's eating away the value of the debt in real terms, so I'm not yeah. bothered." You know, like I think over the next thirty years, house prices will go up, and I just sell the house or the whatever because the debt stays fixed. So, you're never going to get a clear answer.
1: But I think know the numbers. So, yeah. what are your more? What are your interest? What are your investments performing at? What is your cost of your mortgage? And and just stress test it a little. So, what what if interest rates do stay at four and a half to five rather than four four and a half? Um, how would that impact your decision? And where's that threshold? And and check your vanity as well because it's much more fun to invest than overpay your mortgage.
0: Yeah, what about the people who are thinking? about affordability of a mortgage. You know, like
2: I don't wanna put, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. You start my question. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say like, what about it, the people who are, I wanna get a property in the next couple of years, where should they be like, what steps should they take at the beginning of the year to say, okay, this is how I'm gonna get my property. Should you be saving in Isis? Wasn't or? my question, but you know, uh, go for well, it. Well, my question, my question my is better anyway, <laughs> okay. so it's fine. So <laughs> it's,
1: it's again, don't let your heart rule your head. It, are you buying that property in the next three to five years? If so, it's gonna be cash or cash-like things that are very, very secure and shop around for the best ones. There's still some amazing one-year fix around and they're going to be going really fast. So-
0: Lysas are pretty good as well, um, lifetime ISA.
1: Yeah, it depends though on what you're going to buy. So I think it's 450,000 is the cap. So, and then the next thing is about in this new interest rate world, how does that impact the decision of what you're actually going to buy? What can you what can you afford now? Because the game has completely changed. Maybe before you were looking at I don't know three to five hundred thousand pound budget, but maybe now it's a two fifty to a three fifty budget. So I book a call as soon as possible with a mortgage broker, someone independent who can really tell you truly. Look, this is what it's going to cost you a month, and if you maybe you can go for the bigger one, but you're not going to retire till 70. Like, how does it make you feel? Like, what are the consequences of that decision? And and what can I afford to pay each month taking into account the fact that I've still got to save, invest, and retire? Exactly,
0: you still need to hit all those other goals. Yeah. And then that means then that you work, in the same way with the retirement calculator, you go, I can afford a £1,000 a month for a mortgage. You can then work backwards and go, right, that means I can only bid 200. And that gives you mm. how much you can really afford. Because yeah. some of these banks you walk in, they're like, five times income and and you actually think we're going to be spending two and a half, three grand a month on a mortgage here. And yeah. could you afford that and still hit your other goals?
1: Yeah. And so I think it's overlaying that with your happiness factor. Some people having the big house um, and retiring later will make them really happy. For other people having a smaller mortgage, a small house and everything much more manageable, retiring early, that's their definition of happy.
0: I know a lot of people that, that get stuck in that big house trap and they're not happier. You know, they, they yeah. thought, like, oh, if we just move to here, it would be even better. And now it's like they can't afford to go on
2: holiday or.
1: Yeah. Well, whatever. you see the the estate agents' boards going up all over the posh places at the minute.
2: So. As the year starts, um, we've got lots of great advice. Sort out your pension, uh, get a buffer, look at your budget for five years. What is there anything else people should be doing at the start of the year if they want to fix their financial lives or get serious and sort it out?
1: Yeah, what I mean, a big thing is what if there's an imbalance between um, you and your partner? Yeah. And- <laughs> 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 you've
2: been talking to David, haven't you? you have been snitching on me? <laughs>
1: um, because if your goals aren't aligned, you could just be pushing against the tide I'm fortunate that my husband just lets me crack on with the money. I think he can't really. You probably
0: should. Yeah. Yeah, You're like like a doctor. I let him do the creative
1: stuff. But. in some relationships, if you've got different money stories, different money um, backgrounds, different upbringings, it all changes that natural dialogue we have with ourselves about money. So I think it's, if you're in a couple, it's really deciding together what it is that you're going to do. And if there is a naturally stronger person financially in the relationship, first of all, are they actually stronger financially or are they is it false? Yeah, <laughs> Because I do tend to find, I, I mean, I really cringe when it happens, when the, the financial god of the family comes and sits in front of me and I have to try not embarrass them in front of the financially knowledgeable weaker one because they really don't know what they're talking about. Like it just, I'd really hate that situation when one person has sort of led the way financially and they've made so many mistakes. So don't just assume they know, but also there's so many times when I see when people separate, that they're like, I just wish I'd known. So even if you are the financially weaker, knowledgeable person, I think just try and do a little bit of reading every now again. Listen to more of these podcasts because I think if you could just learn one little thing a week, how much more would you know by the end of the year? And like with my husband, like he, the most stressed I've ever seen him his whole life is when he's doing his VAT spreadsheet. Um, but and he really wouldn't be interested to look at money things at all but the first of every month we do our money in money out assets liabilities and I make him at least look at it. And I think it's really important that you know where your money is and if you're on track as a couple. So yeah, I think getting that money conversation going could be a really good thing for this year.
2: That's good advice about um, looking at it on the first of the month every- um...
1: I mean, something I really look forward to. He's like, oh, bloody hell, not again.
2: But that's like something small <laughs> that people could do that yeah. is a bit painful, but like once you, I'm sure once you start doing it, it, it gets natural. And-
1: yeah, and I only started this spreadsheet of mine when I was 30. And the reason I'd put it off until I was 30 was because I was just really depressed about the numbers that would be on that spreadsheet in the early days. But the 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 motivation and the education that it gives you knowing that number I think is really important.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I've like, ten years into that journey and mine was a mess when I started, you mm. know, very big negative numbers. Now to look back on that is like, that that's real happiness. You know, if you yeah. ever need like a quantifiable way to look at where you've come, if you do one of these monthly budgets and you keep them or you just track where you are on a yearly basis. So I have like, you know, all my different assets and that net worth. Like you I know mm. you track your net worth. Yeah. Over time, that's really motivating and it's hard proof that you're better than you were five years ago or 10 years ago. And even
1: when I just look back, I I do, mine started in September of my 30th year. So every September I do a, what did I, how much have I? improved September to September. And I'm always quite surprised,
0: Yeah, pleasantly I,
1: surprised.
0: I sat down with Claire Barrett the other day, who's like an F2. Name dropper. <laughs> yeah, humble <laughs> she, brag. <laughs> she, she drops my name, mate. <laughs> no, no, well, I was about to say, I was worried that I looked like a dick on the thing, but no, I just looked like a dick there and all, so it doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> but ba- but basically she was saying, we are talking about financial goals and I was saying, I try and set them at the start of the year, but then I look back and I'm I always laugh. And she was like, why do you laugh? And I'm always like, because I hit them like halfway through the year and I'm really bad at, you know, realizing my potential in a way.
2: Or, or
1: maybe um, you're too scared to write down the real goal." Yeah, exactly. You need a bit of me. You, yeah, you ambitious, want an easy um, Yeah,
2: I'm going to be a millionaire by next year. And yeah, then, yeah. yeah, be like, oh, I haven't hit my goal, damn yeah, it. This yeah. time next year. This, this time next year we'll be millionaires, David. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> you just got to be a bit more ambitious. I'm the opposite.
1: So in your heart, maybe you're, you know how ambitious you can be in a year, but maybe saying it or writing it down feels more exposing. Cause I feel like that definitely like, I always have, a have got a white book that's meant to be, well, it's by my bedside and I'm meant to write in it my big goals. And sometimes I write them in really messy handwriting <laughs> because I know that it's a bit scary <laughs> what I've written. And maybe when I look back, I won't quite know what I've written.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to admit it to yourself. Yeah, yeah and it is it is that consistent little habit, you know, that that, mm. that drives the big returns over the long term. And it is the the one thing that you know people need to realize: it does take time. You can't. You're not in three months. You're not going to completely change your whole financial situation.
1: No. And you could prove that self to you, that to yourself by just pull up one of those retirement calculators and say, "What if I got three percent a year?" What if I got 5% a year? What if I got 7% a year? And those numbers will be ginormously different. Yeah. So doing the right thing regularly, not being in those rubbishy pension funds that you've not checked for God knows how long, that's pulling against all the effort that you're putting in. So I think, yeah, it's just looking out for what's not going quite right.
0: Because it's the start of the year, I've, I've been thinking back to a lot of the episodes that we've done and the, the one thing that you know coming at this I'm trying to think back to when I first started my financial journey and there was a lot of me beating myself up setting goals like I'm going to completely transform my financial life in a year and what this conversation shows is it's all about the little actions and the small steps and if someone's if someone is thinking I don't know what to do this year if they could get two to three months worth of emergency savings get some insurance if they fall out of work and they go and look at their work-based pension that's a great year of a five-year plan. Mm. And Claire Barrett, the first yeah. episode we did, she said something that I like carry around with me, which is just kind of forgive yourself mm. for being where you are at the minute, because I think a lot of people carry a lot of guilt with their finances. I
1: think it's really good. And, and, and I think also, it what can you look at a procedure to put in place? So is there a job, a financial task that you could allocate to each month whether, and just to help you stay on track. I think that's a really good So
0: t- this is like the ritual you have around the first of the month where you mm. sit down. Yeah, what's measured grows or whatever is the, mm. you know, and if you sit down each month and you look at it, you go, there's a lot of blokes out there going, really? <laughs> <laughs> Get the tape measure now. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's not a podcast without a dick joke, is it? But anyway, <laughs> um, it, by the action of simply looking at at your budget and your finances every month you start to know where things are going and mm. you can then control the flow of the money and it will improve over time
1: exactly mm-hmm. here at mindset win we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do
2: taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests we will hear stories strategies tips and tricks
1: told by leading names in sport and beyond
2: who you know what it takes to get to the very top
1: There will be two episodes each week, packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow.
2: Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app.
0: If you missed anything in that episode, don't worry. We do a really good summary of everything that's gone on and what we discussed in our newsletter. You can sign up using the link in the description.
2: And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. It really makes a difference and lets us know what we're doing right. This is not financial advice.
0: The reason it's not financial advice is because it's not tailored to you. Like we say a lot on the podcast, investments can fall and rise. In fact, this is almost a guarantee. Remember past performance is no guarantee of future results. So your money is always at risk with investing. Also remember other fees may apply. I'm Damo. I'm T. This episode was recorded by Jack Hobbs. It was produced and edited by Ruth Edwards. Johnny Hunter is in charge of all our marketing and it's all brought together by Will Stollerman.